Welcome to the Living by Faith podcast. My name is Josh DeGroat, and this is our very first episode, so I want to give a huge thanks for checking this out. This is a podcast where we look at current news and events, theology, practical issues, and a little bit of history from the perspective of the life of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you find this helpful. Let's jump in. I want to start by talking a bit about the coronavirus situation. Of course, COVID-19 is dominating the news in America and abroad as the number of infected cases continues to mount. President Trump and his coronavirus task force, as well as state and local governments, are scrambling to stop the spread of this deadly virus. The threat of the virus itself spreading is of utmost concern as the death toll continues to climb. So at a national level, and each state is following suit now, they're urging their citizens to stay home as much as possible. Some states have enacted a shelter-in-place policy. Others are just urging their, their, their citizens to stay home. If at all possible, work from home. Only go out to get necessary items like grocery items or medicine. Go out for some exercise. But other than that, stay home. In addition to this, Some businesses have been ordered to close their doors in in efforts to save lives and stop the spread of this virus. For the Christian, every human being is an image bearer of God, and therefore each life is valuable and worthy of doing everything possible to save. But it's not just the threat of the pandemic or of getting the coronavirus that is of concern. There's also the enormous cost to the economy. As more companies are shutting their doors to comply with the governmental guidelines, and in some cases mandates, more people are being laid off, which has significant ramifications for the future of families. The economic considerations to the pandemic itself and the response to it are not insignificant as more and more real families with real people are feeling the real consequences, consequences which won't be fully understood for many months to come. All the more reason for Christians to be in prayer for all of those affected in various ways by the coronavirus. Of course, starting with those who are sick with the virus itself and their families, but also for those who are out of work right now, those who are wondering how they're going to make ends meet in the, uh, for the future. We should also pray for the president. We should pray for our National Congress, the House of Representatives, and the Senate. We should pray for our governors. Uh, In particular, we should pray for Governor Kim Reynolds here in the state of Iowa. We should pray for our state and local officials. We should pray for all the medical professionals on the front lines as they seek to mitigate the pandemic's lethality and as those uh, those in governmental positions seek to mitigate the pandemic's economic effects as well. As Christians, we need to think about all of these things through the lens of Scripture. We must not have our worldview formed by the secular media. And make no mistake, that's what they want to do. We're we're constantly bombarded on television and even more on social media with news, and all of it is seeking to inform and shape how we view the world in general and how we view this COVID-19 pandemic in particular. Of course, news media can help us in many ways. As long as they're accurately reporting the news, we can get information from them. But the news media fails to give us ultimate answers. 
and they also fail to give us the hope that we so desperately need. In fact, the news, the news that's coming 24-7 is geared to keep you amped up, which then keeps you coming back for more. So how should we view what's going on? Well, of course, much should be said. Much could be said, and much, much more will be said, of course. But let's start here. Our overall posture, in light of all that's going on around us, should be one of calm trust in God. We should be steadfastly and resolutely determined to not get caught up in a pandemic of a different kind, the pandemic of fear and hysteria. Psalm 125 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. And here's why we can have such steadfast, calm trust in the Lord. It's because he rules the universe. The devil does not rule the universe. Chance does not rule the universe. Human beings don't, do not rule the universe. Furthermore, the, the world is not just running its course like a clock winding down. That's not what's happening. God sits on his throne and he rules and reigns. The Bible is explicit on this point. I could, I could draw dozens and dozens of texts Let me just give you a couple. Psalm 93, verses 1 and 2 says, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Psalm 115, verses 1 through 3 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, Where is your God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Our God is in the heavens, and he does all that he pleases. He reigns and he rules. There is no higher authority than our God. And this is meant to give great comfort to Christians, knowing that God is not wringing his hands in heaven, wondering how things got so bad. Here's why this is such good news. It's because he rules for his glory and he rules for the greatest good of his redeemed people. In what is perhaps the most sweeping promise in the Bible, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Do you find yourself right now anxious about the future? Look to God who reigns and rules and who promises to work all things together for your good. If you trust in Christ, You can do that with absolute confidence. The next section is what I call the catechesis section. Now, you might be wondering, what the heck is that? Well, let me explain. For centuries, Christians gave themselves to the practice of learning the doctrines of the Christian faith by way of a catechism. Catechism was simply a mechanism where, by question and answer, it went through many of the central and core doctrines of the Christian faith. 
The word catechesis simply means to teach oral, orally or to instruct by word of mouth. Now, of course, the practice has gone by the wayside, especially with adults, and I think it's gone by the wayside largely to our detriment. We would benefit much from this practice in our day. It would help to fill our minds and our hearts with clear truth about God, about Christ, about the gospel, about godliness, about how we are called to live our lives before God in this world. So I would like to make my way through a modern catechism, which takes from a, a number of ancient trusted catechisms and puts them in a more, in more modern vernac- vernacular. The, the, the catechism is called New City Catechism. It has 52 questions and answers with scripture. So one question, one answer, and one scripture per week. You can buy this book online for $7.50. I think, I think it's $7.50 or $7 on Amazon. Or you can download the app for free on your phone. So I'm just going to take one question and answer and scripture every week and work my way through it over the course of a year. And I encourage you to do this with me. So the first question and answer is, our first question is, what is our only hope in life and death? The answer, that we are not our own, but belong, body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. What is our only hope in life and death? Answer, that we are not our own, but belong, body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ died and with his blood he purchased us for himself, we now belong to him. Because the Father withheld nothing from us but gave his own Son to adopt us into his family, we now belong to him. And how should we respond to this? By giving ourselves unreservedly to God. And therefore, we don't get to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong because we belong to him. We belong to God. We don't get to decide what to do with our lives because we belong to God. We su- so, so we submit our plans, our wills, our entire lives to God because we belong to him. And we do this motivated by love and gratitude to God. We belong to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The scripture for this week is Romans 14, 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, And none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. How encouraging is that? To know that we belong to God, both in life and death. We are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. In the history section today, I want to talk about an event that I think is very relevant for us today. It is the Plague of Cyprian. This plague hammered the Roman Empire and Rome in particular between the years 249 and 262 AD. At its worst, it caused upwards of 5,000 deaths a day in Rome. 5,000 a day in Rome alone. The way that Christians responded is quite stunning, and it won the admiration of outsiders and consequently won many converts. My prayer is that God would grant us the strength and courage today with our own pandemic 
to live out the implications of the gospel before a watching world. Dionysius, who was a bishop of the Bishop of Alexandria, reported during the time of this plague, he reported the following. He said, Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. This, of course, was very different from those who were not Christians. Dionysius continues, he said the following, But with the heathen, everything was quite otherwise. They, des- they deserted those who began to be sick and fled from their dearest friends. They shunned any participation or fellowship with death, which yet, with all their precautions, it was not easy for them to escape. Why this difference between those who trusted in Christ and those who had no faith in Jesus? Well, I'm sure much more could be said, but for sure the love of Christ that was in their hearts and the hope of eternal life that the Christians had. So as you and I navigate life with the coronavirus in the weeks and months to come, we want to be careful to love our neighbor in two ways by seeking to do our best to, con- to not contribute to it to the spread of coronavirus, right? But we also want to love our neighbor by coming to the aid of those in need. And this is the tension that we find ourselves in right now. It's not either or. We need wisdom to know how to live in this time because it's not either or, it's both and. We don't want to spread coronavirus, especially to those most vulnerable, But we also don't want to shut ourselves off or run from those in need, flee from even our friends in a time of need. So let's be faithful, remembering that we have a hope in Christ which cannot be taken away from us. Thanks again for listening to the Living by Faith podcast. If you found it helpful, please like and share. And until next time, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all.